0: When Raw ends, when it's time to begin, it's on the Rewind A Raw with John Pollock and Waiting, the Eighteen. that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's Rewind Around for Monday night, downloaded Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's Rewind A Raw for Monday night on USA, now on the John and Waiting, the mic. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Rewind Around. I am John Pollock, joined by Waiting who will not have to rely on his own audio to put this show out because I've got my microphone in working order, something it was not on Friday. It's all fixed way. Sounding crystal clear. I ran tests. I'm all set. Oh, that's great. Awesome. Yeah. You should have right. listened to my feed after we finished SmackDown. It sounded gar... It was awful. It was terrible. It, it would have sounded more clear if I was outside your window doing the show with you. Outside, right behind that plant, with the window shut and just yelling my thoughts from outside.
1: I'm glad you got it sorted. Um, honestly, like on our end, and like you know, capturing it from, I guess my my end, um, I couldn't really tell much of a difference. So, um, I, the show sounded fine. I was actually more concerned because you you were you were I could definitely tell you were a little distracted during the podcast. Although I thought you, I don't know how many other people could, you know, you, you maintain a professional composure. Even in oh, it was—it was, it was
0: only an issue for ten minutes. The rest of the show, way—that was just my general demeanor uh, affecting <laughs> things on your side. Right. Uh, but I'm all set to go. We have uh, so much to talk about. This is uh, like a sneaky week of so many shows that are coming up. So there's going to be a lot of stuff coming. We've got two New Japan shows on back-to-back nights, Wednesday and Thursday. Noah has one of their biggest cards in years on Friday at Budokan Hall. Then we have a UFC card and then Sunday is Takeover. Yeah. A lot. It's a lot of stuff way. A lot of a I lot mean, of I... stuff coming up and a lot of uh, a lot of shows coming our way. I think we've got a lot of great stuff this week. I was looking at the schedule this week. It's very good if I if I do say so myself. I'm not going to come on here on weeks where it doesn't look great and say, "Oh my god, you guys can take the week off." But I'm not I'm also not going to just throw flat compliments uh about our schedule if, if they're not deserving of such. And this week it's a very good week of shows. It's a fantastic week.
1: Absolutely. This is it's like we're running a restaurant and every week we have like a changing menu. Um most weeks, you know, you, I, you know, it's usually good quality, but this week, this is the week that you really want to make your reservations to make sure you This is the them.
0: banana cream pie week, okay? There is like there's some great dessert. We've got steak. We've got multiple thousand calorie desserts. Like it's all it's all here.
1: Steak and desserts,
0: maybe a bit of poutine. No, no, I said it's going to be a great week. Oh, gee, okay. <laughs> uh, coming up this week, uh, just a few highlights to throw. We're going to have post shows after all of those events that we just mentioned. We're going to have uh, myself and Way. Uh, Dropping a show Thursday, which will cover the New Japan shows. That will be available for CAFE members. As well, uh, Saturday is going to be post-pro-res with myself and WH chatting about said Noah show from Budokan Hall, where Keiji Muto is challenging for the GHC title in 2021. We'll have shows after UFC 258, Braden and Davey after NXT TakeOver. But the biggest of all, aside from the return of the Ask Away Mailbag show on Tuesday... It's the show that is sweeping the nation. re-WandaVision. episode six is coming out this weekend. Way and Wh, they have set the bar so high. It's like what what can they possibly do at this point to
1: top? Oh themselves? oh my goodness! Well, this is honestly, it's the show that I think has a uh, much of my timeline um, dominating the conversation every single weekend whenever it drops. So more than happy to be able to kind of present our own thoughts, me and Wh Park. And uh, this past Friday, John Ceno joined us, and that episode actually is free right now on this feed. If you just scroll down, we released it p- to the public this morning. Uh, just a, um, you know, a, it, it's it's fun. It's a show that's just like filled with so much like interesting long form storytelling and subtlety attached to it that just uh, is very different from um, the shows we usually Dude, they're, review. <laughs>
0: they're going into like the color patterns. Okay, what? Yeah. Tommy and Billy are like the colors of their shirts and stuff like dude there is there is no way you can watch this show and pick up more than these two it's it's unbelievable detail
1: so I highly recommend everybody go check out at least the free one if you haven't been joining us it's a great great time to catch up on it because you're five episodes in so if you think it's too slow binge watch it listen to our podcast and join us on Saturday evening for our next edition
0: well over the weekend I also want to give a a special mention uh, on Saturday how cold was it over the weekend? Were you outside much i you know,
1: I tried not to be, but yeah it was it was pretty chilly, yes
0: it was like minus twelve or so, but with the wind chill, it was something like minus eighteen. I went out for a walk on Saturday for about an hour. It was nearly Watch. dying. Why did you do uh, that well when you when you have a almost three month old baby, you go on long walks regardless of the weather to calm them down. So I went out and I listened to the long and winding Royal road. I was on the long and winding freezing road, uh, in downtown Toronto. This show is unbelievable. Uh, WH park who let, let's be honest. Like he has been, uh, he might be the leading candidate for post MVP this year. Um, I give it to him already. Kidding he's me? he's definitely the 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 leading candidate. That he is he's just having great matches with everybody. He is he is like the Kenny Omega of the of the Post Office. He uh and Dylan Fox from the Eastern Lariat podcast with an uh unbelievable retrospective on Toshiaki Kawada's career. This is the second installment of the of wh's kind of biography series he did one on mitsuhara misawa which is another great show i think he's going to do kenta kobashi next but uh, these shows are excellent just a whole rundown of the career and so many match suggestions i i i put up a, a thread on our twitter with a ton of a with a playlist of some matches that are brought up but there's so many you can go through and the thing with especially that all Japan period is they're very easily accessible on YouTube. You don't have to do too much digging for a lot of those, uh, quality matches.
1: Uh, just constantly, constantly high quality content from WH. So thank you very much for that. And that actually continues this weekend. Not only will he be doing an, an edition of post pro Res with you, he will have an exclusive interview with Matt Charlton from shining wizards designs about his new book. That'll also be released on Saturday as well in the free feed. So you can find all that on, uh, this Post wrestling feed or at youtubecom post
0: wrestling That's right. I believe about four bonus shows for cafe members this week, along with our our live airings of uh, this show, Rewind to Dynamite, and Rewind to SmackDown on Friday. Because the uh the wrestling and MMA world is taking a stick of dynamite to my free time and lighting the wick, I will be taking uh SmackDown off Friday uh, in order to record a separate show, but in my place. This will be more than well-managed because Nate Milton will be here on Rewind to SmackDown with Mr. Ten.
1: Yes, Brother Nate. It's been uh, you know at least a few weeks, maybe even longer since we've heard from him. So he'll be tagging in and joining me for Rewind to SmackDown this weekend. It's your chance to call in and speak to Brother Nate uh, if you're a Post Wrestling Cafe member. That'll be Friday night. As well, uh, some of the offerings from our friends this week here. On the up next feed, of course, every Tuesday, Davey Portman will be presenting Deep Impact. We—I'm not sure who his guest is uh, this week, but he will be uh, presenting an impact review sometime Tuesday evening. Uh, no shot in the dark this week from Sino Evil. He is going through uh, just you know some some personal stuff, and uh, of course, we wish our friend John Sino the very best. So, no shot in the dark this week. This week, but up next, will be back on Wednesday night. They do their shows live on twitch.tv slash up next every wednesday at 10 15 p.m so you can choose to check those out if you're a double double patron of ours you can choose to listen to rwanda dynamite uh we go head to head honestly but uh there's enough time for everybody for you to digest everything so um there's that and then our friends at the british wrestling experience will be dropping their latest podcast on thursday on their feed so uh man what a week here at post wrestling and you know what I didn't even mention the big one game night on the oh. discord com slash discord Phil chair talk is hosting another game night. We we it's been a while since we've done one of these, but it's a chance for everybody at the discord to play, um, you know, a, a series of games. I believe what they are doing is again, Jack, the, the Jackbox party pack. You ever play this John? All the time it it's great you don't need any sort of system to join you simply like you know bring it up on your browser or your phone and you can join in and filter talk will be joined by davy portman who will be co games master himself davy portman will be co-hosting the night with phil uh appearances by jordan goodman eric marcotte and who knows who else from the post wrestling community so check it check it out uh it's all free at postwrestling.com slash discord
0: Discord the place to be it's a boom period inside of the Discord uh game night Thursday night I'm sure it'll be hopping on UFC night on Saturday and usually anytime if you are waking up in the middle of the night at 4 a.m. chances are Phil, Brandon, Eric and company are all in the Discord so it's it's the uh it's like a Pops chocolate shop for the Riverdale audience out there for post wrestling. Uh yes. W- without any shootings. Okay. Let's move on. That's 7
1: p.m., by the way, on Thursday, everybody, for that game night. 7 p.m. PM Eastern. Eastern.
0: Check that out. All right. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about the Super Bowl because there is a connection given that it was taking place at the same stadium that will house uh, WrestleMania. But my first question, Way, and you are the perfect person to ask, it was a big night for Scarborough, Ontario. How did the weekend represent?
1: Um. I'm not much of a fan, so I, I think I'm the wrong person to ask. I think the right did person watch to it? ask. I did watch it. Um, oh. But as far as, you know, a grading of a performance, it, 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 I I feel like because I'm not much of a, a fan of the music, it's hard for me to really say. The person so you I did not lo-
0: like it, but you don't really want to throw the guy under the bus for a poor performance.
1: Well, I mean, if I enjoyed the music, I'm sure I would have a much fairer co- co- um, basis of criticism. But the person I really do want to ask is your son, who I believe is a oh. huge Weekend fan.
0: Unfortunately, the weekend went on a little bit too late uh, for for Max, so he was not able to stay up. I have recorded it, so he'll probably actually watch it this this week. How weekend is his favorite? Yeah, how did he get into a
1: weekend? A three year old.
0: Uh, Usually, it it started with uh, "Hey Google, play uh, pop music," and usually it would settle on the weekend, and he became just. He just listens to The Weekend, uh, quite quite a fair a fair amount. Like not not nonstop. We have a wide variety of music he listens to, but The Weekend, like he will dance to The Weekend. He is. I I must say,
1: it's quite the jump from um, the Wiggles
0: to The Weekend here. Oh, the Wiggles are the gateway to everything. Yeah, 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 just you know, by process of elimination, you end up at The Weekend. I I watch this because I enjoy The Weekend. I wouldn't say it was like the. the best halftime show there have been some very good ones i thought this one was it was all right it's like he played all of his major singles they had some elaborate uh production elements to it which a halftime show is going to come i i've definitely grown to enjoy and look forward to the halftime show whereas when i was younger i hated the halftime part and now it's the opposite i have no interest in the game i just tune in now for the halftime show
1: oh for a casual like me i mean that that would be the only thing i'd be tuning into um I think, you know, much like all sports, much like, you know, pro wrestling especially, performances like these definitely lo- definitely lose something without a bigger crowd there. There was a crowd in attendance. In fact, a crowd of what? 20,000 people? 25. Like
0: there were 25,000 people there. Um of that 25, 7500 of them were vaccinated healthcare workers that they uh brought in, that they brought in. And then they had thirty thousand cardboard cutouts uh, filling out the stadium. Did you get to see any of uh, the the stadium look with the people mixed with cardboard cutouts? And how did you think it looked?
1: It looked plenty full. I thought you know, I mean, lots uh, of sports
0: have been using this. This is not anything mm -hmm. revolutionary.
1: Yeah, cosmetically, I thought it 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 was fine. Um, And I think they're making the best of a you know bad situation. But
0: um, I had to be masked. Everyone in the in the stands had to be masked. They had sanitation stations. And I mean, I would uh, the, the reason it applies is because I'm sure they're going to be looking at the protocols. And I think over these next few weeks is also looking at is there is there any rash of cases that are somehow traced back to this? And yes, they have been having fans come to football games. I would argue the difference here is you're probably getting a much more um, out of state uh, fan base coming to the Super Bowl versus a traditional Tampa Bay Buccaneers game. So that might be a concern. And WrestleMania, you would think the same, that there's going to be a lot of people from out of Florida coming down for that event, um, which we'll get into. It looks like there will be, uh, you know, in addition to WrestleMania, other independents running that week. but. I would say probably in the next three to four weeks, you would imagine WWE is going to slowly introduce whatever protocols and capacity they're they're looking at having themselves once they can fully study and learn from what happened on Sunday. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: What I am curious about is uh, maybe not just you know the seating, but how people manage to file in and out of the arena. Those to me are, are the more kind of um uh, perhaps more difficult, uh, you know um. Uh, functions of they
0: of, better not uh, have a, an in. issue like metlife stadium a few years ago remember that oh any wrestlemania dude i'm sure any football game that's like you know packed but, with but so. Many but that people. was the one where like the buses stopped oh, at yeah, a certain time yeah. remember <laughs> like a half hour after the show ended what a disaster
1: yeah yeah, yeah um i you know it's it's going to be a very big challenge but uh yeah i suppose this was almost like a test for for what we'll see
0: uh, SmackDown on Friday night, they were uh, slightly down in viewership and slightly up in their demo figure. So I don't know if you really take that as anything. I would say a little disappointing given it was coming off the rumble. You would hope for a little bit of a boost. They did 2,257,000 viewers, a 0.65. So they were number two among network programs on Friday night. Again, just down slightly with viewers, but up a very small amount in their demo figure. And, Going back to WrestleMania, we got several announcements on Monday, the first being uh, Game Changer Wrestling is going to be running the Collective Remix series of shows April 8th to 10th at the outside courtyard at the Cuban Club in uh, in uh, uh, Ybor City, and these will be streaming on Fight. So, as they noted, it will be outdoors, and they're capping capacity at 20%, masks being required, and... Tickets will be sold using a staggered and socially distant seating chart. COVID safety protocols will be strictly enforced on the grounds, and they've announced uh, a bunch of shows including uh, your big ones like Spring Break, Blood Sport for the Culture, Effie's Big Gay Brunch, Jimmy Lloyd's Degeneration F, a 2-day Acid Cup tournament, uh, among others. There's going to be uh, a bunch of shows here. While IWTV has also confirmed they are going to run shows in Tampa the same weekend, Showcase of the independents, this will include Beyond Wrestling, ICW, No Holds Barred, Synergy Wrestling, Action Wrestling, uh, many other independents that will be involved. I believe they're about a 15 minute drive apart from one another. These two uh, setups that they have going, but uh, the larger issue here, way, is you know doing these wrestling shows uh, in Florida. I mean, on on the one hand, I would like to know is GCW and IWTV are they going to require negative covid tests like we just had for the fight forever um 24 hour deal and i mean i can't deny the fact that there are going to be fans traveling to florida and will go to these shows so if you're an independent promoter it's i I don't know where to think at this point it's like these shows are happening and i think you hope it's going to be as safe as possible but i'm also at this point now where i i don't know how much to just have the same conversation over and over again about these shows like they're going to happen there's people here that uh, need to or at least want to be working that have probably lost a whole lot over this past year so i look at that factor but again this is kind of what is your what is your uh, allowable amount that like doing all these series of shows over three days that especially in a state like florida
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were kind of talking about this a bit uh, on the pre-post show here in the Zoom chat, but um, I mean, my perspective, I mean, at this point, a year into this thing is going to be a little bit different than maybe what it was maybe a month into this thing. A month into this thing for people that, you know, chose to continue to run in spite of, I think, what at that time felt like it was going to be at least just a few month long lockdown Um, I had a lot less sympathy for. A year in, if you're a really small company and you really kind of rely on, you know, a weekend like this to stay in existence, to be able to operate your business, to be able to employ other people, um, I I sympathize with them a, a lot more. Um, and my only hope is that they take every precaution and they make it safe and they um you know as safe as the, they can make it like what's contact real, like, tracing you know yeah like testing all your performers um because the well,
0: you, well that we know like i can't we cannot expect that they're going to be doing like pcr testing each day like that's not going to be in the budget but i would say at the very least performers that are taking part and staff at least getting a negative test ahead ahead of time that's not to say that you know several days of all of Sharing locker rooms and being on different shows together, um, going out
1: afterwards—that
0: like that's all part of it. Like that's yeah. that's the concerning part. I could say for me personally, I would I would not be comfortable going to these. But I know there's a lot of other people that will be. Um, so that's sort of like that's you, you hope that they can take the most reasonable precautions. And I would say at least having those negative tests at the beginning—that's at least something. Uh, but you know, you, you you hope for the best, but understanding that there is. Always going to be risk involved. And again, both sides, like they have not really laid out like the protocols in place other than there will be COVID safety protocols.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Let's hope for the best.
0: The last thing, Wei, uh, this has been discussed several times on past Rewind Aways, is that one thing that really everyone has to thank that we have Wei Ting's presence on a weekly basis here. It's January 4th, 1999. That was the finger poke of doom that brought (laughs) Whiting back as a wrestling fan. And my question, Wei, is that one month and four days later, did your new revived wrestling fandom take you to the Toronto Skydome, where on this day in history, 21 years ago, the largest attended Raw ever took place at the Skydome, now Rogers Center?
1: No, it did not.
0: Um, You didn't go on this. I I was thinking about this today, and I thought, I'm sure we had talked about this, but I cannot remember if you went or not.
1: I did not. know. I mean, I was just getting my feet wet back into the whole thing. So I wasn't even aware that it, it took place, to be quite honest with you. But like, I remember going to school the next day. I was in high school and my friend told me that he was at Raw. And to hear that sentence, I went to Monday Night Raw, felt so foreign to me. That had never happened to anybody I knew before because the show had never come up here. So um, I remember the fallout from it, but I I did not go. Did you? I did
0: go to this event. I was I ended, I bought tickets from a scalper and my they the tickets went on sale at the prior house show that they ran a few months before this. And my concern was, "Oh my god, they're going to sell out the SkyDome for Raw." And I wasn't that far off. Like they did like there were over 41,000 people at this show. They they didn't sell it out, but that's an think about that 41,000 people attending a 2-hour episode of Raw. That's insane. Wait, so was I there dropped no
1: shotgun shotgun Saturday night. You did
0: something. get there was a shotgun Saturday night <laughs> taping. Yes, there was. Um, so I ended up I was four, 13 14 at the time and I dropped 75 bucks to a scalper and it was like I was glad I got this ticket. But uh, Me and my buddy bought tickets, but then afterwards I was like, "Oh my god, $75." To me at the time it's like I felt like I dropped a $1000. That that's what it felt like in my head. It's like, oh my God, how did I spend that much money on a pro wrestling ticket? 75 bucks. This show better be great. Not anymore
1: for John. 75 bucks, come on. You spend that on a <laughs> Just, just big... rolling in
0: it, yeah. <laughs> um so anyway, yeah, I did go to this show. I was like right on the floor next to the ramp. And the 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 memories that I have are do you remember do you remember Russell Oliver, the cash man, did oh, all those spots? How could, yeah, of course. For whatever reason, he was at the Skydome, and he must have had some something going on with WWF Canada. He's dressed in his, like, Superman suit, and he had done these spots on TV where he said if you bring a Cashman sign to Raw, I'll give you money. He just, The guy just wanted to see signs of himself. So I did not have a sign for the Cashman, but he came by us and started throwing money. Dude, I got, like, 50 bucks or so, and... I was like, this is like covering most of my ticket right here. It was like just cash throwing. And I just, dude, I just fisted and grabbed it. Oh, that's nuts. And you didn't even have the sign. Wow. A friend, my friend who went with me got another 30 bucks and his immediate concern, he was like, this has to be counterfeit money. I'm going to buy a shirt immediately. So he went and bought a shirt because he, I was like, dude, this is real money. It was legit money. And he just had Stacks, stacks of cash. He's just throwing out at people. He
1: really is the cash man. Damn, he was wow. the cash man.
0: I remember what, that what? and the Brood entrance, which was hot as fuck. I couldn't imagine those guys doing that entrance at every single show because I was in, I was on the floor right at the ramp, and it felt like I was thrown onto a bonfire. That's how hot it felt.
1: Some incredibly vivid memories of of this. Event, John.
0: Wow. I Getting didn't know these Getting 50 bucks stories. and being super hot from the brood entrance. That's what comes to mind. Wow. So there you Amazing. go. Amazing. That was on this date 21 years ago. I was i was more so just curious if you actually went to this show. Unfortunately not. I, I wish I did. I could have it's got the, part the where line. You say, yeah, I got a scalper ticket and I was right on the floor in the corner and we were like maybe three three people apart I watching like Scott D'Amore in a dark match. Oh, is that right? Who did you wrestle? Remember? I want to say Larry Destiny, maybe. Wow. Some some Ontario independent legends. Well, tonight uh, did not have 41,432 people for tonight's Raw. Uh, no. What a day in history. We go from 41,432 to zero. Well, uh, unfortunately, but virtually, though, are you counting those people? No, no, virtually. I mean, that doesn't really count. Did they pay for tickets? I guess not. No. So, okay, this Raw. They are in dire need of some assistance in building up challengers and baby faces. And we're going to have many, many examples on this show. We started off, I thought, on a pretty good note way because we got this great opening video of these old photos and clips of Seamus. And Drew McIntyre, best friends for, they've been best friends for 20 years. And it all came crashing down last week. Bro, kick. By the end of this video, I thought to myself, you know what? It was rushed last week, but this is going to be like a good build for this pay-per-view coming up. They really set up this singles match. And this video was a great way to start the show. Hyping up a match that they're not going to deliver. Not yet. Not yet. Yeah.
1: No. I mean, I do believe that this is longer term build. I do feel like they will eventually get to the Seamus-Drew match, but not for the February show. Uh, let, just, you know, a quick note. They did have a Butch Week graphic off the top.
0: Yes, as they did on SmackDown. So they did have yeah. um, those right. those mentions.
1: Uh, but also, how do you know that Seamus and Drew are friends? A photo with Noel Gallagher that the two took together. Do you notice well,
0: this? they are—they are kind of like the the Gallagher brothers, I guess. They've had uh, an awful split. That, exactly. Yes,
1: and they'll probably get back together at some point.
0: Adam Pearce is in the middle of the ring, and he brings out Shane McMahon. Shane is back, and they announce that Drew McIntyre is going to defend the WWE title at the Elimination Chamber in the Chamber. On February 21st, all the opponents will be former WWE champions. Randy Orton, Jeff Hardy, AJ Styles, The Miz, and Sheamus. So we've got Randy Orton, who they beat last week with Edge. Jeff Hardy, who has lost, I feel, every week on TV up until he teamed with Carlito last week. AJ is justified. They, they had him on quite the run since he's been drafted over. The Miz, who has been the punching bag on this show, and Sheamus, the guy who we shot the big angle for after all of these months uh, last week. And that's, that's our lineup. No Bobby Lashley.
1: Well, they want guys that can actually lose, I think.
0: You know? Like <laughs> well, Lashley, that should be the slogan. That's the tagline for Elimination Chamber. Five challengers, all whom we're comfortable beating.
1: It's pretty much it, I would say, for this show. I mean, this this is a weird period between the Rumble and WrestleMania where you have essentially time fills um, in all your programming, especially these two pay-per-views coming up. And they have to keep people strong uh, while at the same time, you know, fulfill their quota for main events. Um, the real only people to keep pay attention to in this match are, um, I would say, AJ Styles, who I don't think has any chance of, of winning the title, but at least is you know considered a viable contender, and Sheamus. So, um, and of course you have. Miz I, I'd with say the money literally the only case.
0: person in this match you could buy winning. Other than Drew is Sheamus. Sure. Yeah. Um. My feeling. But if Sheamus is, is winning the title. I don't know necessarily why we just didn't do the singles match, but I guess they feel we we don't want to do the number one contenders match for this men's chamber, so they're doing yeah. this instead. I, I think that's there's it.
1: that. I think there's that I I also don't think Drew is losing the title. I think they they just simply need an attractive main event and the pay-per-view is called the Elimination Chamber so they need a Chamber match. Uh I actually don't mind the booking at all. I think it get, you know, it gives time for Edge to make his decision, you kind of draw that out. Uh it's an interesting But, but why dynamic. do the
0: turn then last week?
1: Because they, yeah, that's a great question. They could have certainly delayed it. I think having Sheamus enter into the chamber as Drew's friend and then having him turn because of the chamber would have actually made for a far more interesting story. Like you could have had Drew retain,
0: and that's the breaking point for Sheamus. And the next night Mm -hmm. on Raw, it's, he loses, you could have a spot in the match where Drew, you know, has to like eliminate Sheamus, or, or you could do any little thing in that match, and that's the breaking point, that's the motivation for Sheamus, where the audience buys why he would throw this friendship out the window and then you go to the match which they're clearly going to get to after this show I don't know why they did the turn last week yeah this to me waters it down like you just did the angle and now you're putting them in this match but it's it, it feels almost like the turn came before it needed to well, with the
1: way these shows are structured and the way things changed last minute, who knows what the original plans were, um, but I don't think it ruins the feud. I think you can go into to this with the primary focus being on Sheamus and Drew as opponents. Uh, you can somehow heat that thing up and then build to a main event title match for the March pay-per-view. To me, that seems to be the scenario here. And of course, you also have the Miz with the briefcase, so... Um, That kind of plays an interesting little kind of wrinkle into this. Even if he gets eliminated, there's a chance he might still be able to cash in towards the end of the chamber match. So who knows? What do you think of the use of Shane here? Why do you think he had to come out?
0: I will get to that. I I think that there... Okay, so afterwards, AJ comes out to compliment Pierce, even though he always thought he was a bit of a dumbass. And then he kicks him out. And we go to break. And when we come back, Shane is leaving. And he runs into Drew McIntyre and Drew said, I would have appreciated a heads up. And I thought I'd be facing Seamus at the pay-per-view. Shane says we needed something big. What? Can't you prove you're the best? And Shane took off. And you're right. There was absolutely no need for Shane on this show. Pierce easily could have made the announcement, but Shane was used for this involvement with Drew. So, um... I think you you have to read into Shane being involved in – clearly here for a reason beyond just announcing the names that they did not need him for. Like, I Mm -hmm. thought, like, they were actually planting a seed here with Shane and Drew. That's what you had to take from that, couldn't you? Because there's no other reason he would have been on the show.
1: Well, yeah, yeah, because they did not do the scene afterwards between Seamus and Shane, which um, almost feels like it may be a bit more of a natural um, rivalry between a babyface and a heel. Uh, instead, it's Drew and Shane who have the interaction here. So, you know, it's not going to happen at Mania. Could it? Could this be the match for the March pay per view? Shane and Drew. Knowing Shane, though, I think they'll he'll probably save himself, or they'll save him for WrestleMania for one of the nights. It is a two night event.
0: Uh, I I have no insight into this, but the idea of Shane wrestling in a big match at WrestleMania, you have to expect that. Mm-hmm. I would yeah. say, um. So there, that was uh, that was our setup for, for everything tonight. And then later tonight, Drew taking on Randy Orton in a non-title match. AJ and Jeff Hardy. Jeff Hardy knocks down AJ. And then Jeff starts chanting, Hardy, Hardy. You are not allowed to start a chant for yourself.
1: Especially in front of a virtual crowd. How does that work?
0: played Imagine the hardy in this <laughs> empty stadium played the Ballack, hardy Pollock. <laughs> tonight edges wrestlemania update stay tuned <laughs> and my question was what if tonight edge came out and announced he was like if this were real and he came out and said I'm choosing roman reigns after friday you've booked this chamber match you've you've really kind of jumped the gun have you not
1: Well, they'll have to come up with a way to determine a number one contender somehow.
0: If only we had such a match in two weeks that traditionally would settle such a dispute. Hardy leaps out of the corner and injures his left knee that's been bothering him for about a year now. Uh, He gets chop blocked on the floor. Then AJ rolls to the calf crusher. Hardy gets out. He is Irish whip. The leg gives out. Styles Clash gets countered with a twist of fate, and then Jeff Hardy on his one leg crawls to the top, misses a swanton, back to the calf crusher, and Hardy has to tap out. 14 minutes and 33 seconds, this one went, primarily focused around the the knee of Hardy and setting up the calf crusher, and handing Jeff Hardy his latest singles loss on his road to having an opportunity at the WWE Championship.
1: I mean, the saving grace is that he did lose to somebody else who is in the match, so at least you have somebody. To me, it just kind of reestablishes the status quo. I mean, Jeff is firmly at this point a mid-carter, maybe an upper mid-carter. AJ is definitely at least more of a at least mid tier main eventer, so nothing really kind of changes in the rankings here. Overall, it was like a fine, lengthy, clean match without any shenanigans from Omos. So
0: it was fine. They recapped Lashley destroying Riddle last week and I don't know. The, to me, Lashley all over the show, it just screams at you the viewer. Like this makes no sense that this guy who has been the dominant force on Raw was not figured into this. But because he was not a WWE champion, that that doesn't uh that doesn't do anything for you. I mean
1: I guess I I've learned not to ask questions like that because I understand like the the matchmaking on the show is not based on rankings. It's based on who they can beat on route to a bigger event in the future, and who they can't beat. And clearly, Lashley is somebody that they're protecting.
0: Riddle walks up to his opponent tonight, Keith Lee, who has returned, and Riddle's got a black eye. But he went home and he says, "Laughter is the best medicine." So Riddle binge watched all the air buds. Lee asks, is it smart for you to continue going for the United States title? Riddle explains how people thought it was impossible for a dog to play basketball. And yet bud did it. This is a real promo that I'm not adding any, any dialogue to Lee suggests that someone new go after Lashley and he knows he can beat riddle tonight. And then Riddle, in his head, probably thought, you know what? You probably can beat me. That will not stop me, though, from still earning a title shot. And thus, our match was set for later tonight with Riddle and the returning Keith Lee. Air Bud was our pop culture yeah. reference tonight, way?
1: Yeah, I don't know if this is as much a uh, pop culture reference as it was, like, just something to make Riddle, like, look like an idiot. Um, this was an interesting segment. You know, on the one hand, I thought they kind of made Keith Lee look like a heel here. In that he's not at all sympathetic for his friend, who has been getting beaten up repeatedly month after uh, week after week now. Instead, he kind of made fun of his friend and then goes on to challenge him for a match. So it seems a little out of character, I have to say, for Keith Lee. But um, I thought the other interesting note here was that they seem to be continuing to suggest that Riddle is not just, at this point, an idiot. I mean, if you remember last week, he lost to Lashley in seconds and then just kind of came to not realizing where he was so now he's not just an idiot idiot but he's like a punch drunk idiot who seems to be suffering from some sort of a permanent brain damage so um
0: well he just watched all the Airbud movies yeah i don't That's know gonna what have other, lasting effects
1: like it's it's kind of gone from the point of them trying to make riddle look like you know cool surfer dude to just like he's just dumb now like he's just a dumb guy so, man, they they must just love continuing to give this guy airtime. Like Vince must love this character, but I have to say it's it, it, I find it really hard for me to want to cheer for either of these two after this.
0: Uh I was fine with Keith Lee's demeanor just looking down at this this joke. Um Sheamus complained to Adam Pierce that he's not getting the one-on-one match with Drew. <laughs> this was the best line. Sheamus goes to Pierce, "What you don't think I'm a draw?" <laughs> I need help headlining this pay-per-view. This was the best. I am a draw. He uh, Pierce responded, saying, "Listen, I don't know if you're aware, Seamus, but we've got a guaranteed uh, streaming deal now with Peacock. We don't need draws anymore. We've got we've got all this fixed revenue. We're we're fine. We could we could headline this card with with our truth, and we'd be fine." Did you listen to the earnings report? Yeah, here here's Nick Khan to explain it to you, Seamus. He says that Pierce is full of broken promises. Drew would be nothing without me. And it's going to be Pierce's responsibility for what I do to Drew in that match. Yeah. Xavier Woods and Kofi Kingston against T-Bar and Slapjack. The highlight of this match was Mustafa Ali on commentary. He called Woods and Kingston clowns. And said, their lives are literally at stake tonight.
1: I mean, wrestling is a pretty dangerous occupation.
0: In this era, yes. Over the last year, definitely. He calls WWE greedy and corrupt. And then he just would scream about how, It's time for me to eat! Where's our food? T-Bar... Threw Kingston around. Both Retribution members are on the floor. Kingston hit a dive. And then uh, we got this exchange between Slapjack and Woods. Wait, how many times do I bother you during shows? How many no, times do I send you a text? Uh, like, it's never. Very, it's very rare. I never bother you. But on this one, <laughs> Slapjack and Woods are exchange. Like, Slapjack is delivering these kicks they must have done a dozen camera cuts within the span of six seconds. I, okay. like, fell back in my chair. It was so jarring. So, you know,
1: like, in New Japan, they do the, you know, um, uh, forearm spot. Or, like, really, in any wrestling match, they do yay boo you know. Imagine every yay boo is accentuated by a camera cut. I cut, mean, that's, cut, cut, cut. Uh, it's so... It's something they've been doing for years now, and I – it's so ineffective and, and just, man, I felt like I was watching The weekend at the Super Bowl.
0: I it was, I was so honestly jarring. concerned that the director had maybe, like, fainted back in the truck and just f- fell onto the buttons.
1: Yeah. It was no, so
0: it was just, jarring. It was like someone just jammed the button down and it got stuck.
1: This is oh their house God. style, man. It's 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 terrible. Like, what? whatever happened to just – you know what? If they since they love like using the directing to make a match so much, I think they should just have two people enter the ring and not move, and you could have Kevin Dunn or whoever tell the entire story of the match through camera work.
0: Oh, Wouldn't you know that what? Novel? I would have loved to have seen WWE's production shoot the Goshielzaki Kazuki Fujita match. Oh, it'd be amazing! It'd be a five star classic. I bet. They double teamed Woods with a choke slam. Ali is screaming at them, "Eat!" <laughs> Instead, they had to feed for Kofi's hot tag. They hit the daybreak on slapjack and won the match in ten thirty-five. You had the juxtaposition of Ali who is screaming mad while Woods and Kingston are just laughing, and Woods is yelling, "Give me reckoning! I want reckoning!" And then Ali starts yelling at retribution. This is the silliest feud, but Ali is amusing in this role.
1: He, he's amusing from like a sort of like a it's you know, a cartoon villain type of sense, like a like a Elmer Fudd you know type type of like a villain type of sense. Like it's I don't know if he, it's intentional. He, is, he
0: signed a contract with a greedy and corrupt company. That's his gimmick. That's Retribution's gimmick. And
1: every single week he comes out here, he fails, and he's almost like you know, like man, I'll get you, gadget. Every single week. They try so hard to look intimidating, but each week they get beaten up, and they just kind of end up looking like a joke. So, I mean... I the company th-
0: keeps bringing them back? I mean, that sounds pretty Word. nice.
1: They're hardly a threat at this point. I mean... They're even on board with the directing and the camera camera work, so... They must be setting up some sort of big revenge plan for Retribution. Um... <laughs> But I don't know about that
0: way. I don't know. I don't know if we're we're getting that that big angle at any
1: point with retribution. Well, hey, what are even the chances of a Kofi versus Ali match at this point? Uh, Do you think if uh, I think we will get it? But will it be a raw match and will it go more than ten minutes?
0: Yeah, like, there you go. I think, like, th- that's the that's the status from now until WrestleMania. That Those are your options for pairings. Number one, will it be a WrestleMania match? Number two, will it be a Fastlane or, or Elimination Chamber match? Or more more likely, will it get announced during the show it's going to take place at? Yes, yes. I could totally see next week, Hour 1, uh, Lower Third, uh, Kofi versus Ali later tonight.
1: Hour 1, I mean, it could be one of those things where they just say, like... You know, somebody interferes, and then you come back from break, and it's the match.
0: Ding, ding, ding. Damian Priest is hanging out with Bad Bunny backstage, who sold an ungodly amount of merchandise. They were talking yeah, about, uh, on the earnings call, like, he, like Bad Bunny has sold an unbelievable amount of merchandise. I, I think this has been, like, a great... Th- so far, a week into this, this has been one of WWE's best celebrity uh, involvements in a long time. That's hopefully going to attract a much younger audience. It's a very relevant artist that they're working with. He's all gung ho to be training and doing all this stuff. And, uh, Nick Khan did this interview, uh, today, uh, it was with, uh, Alfred Kinawa. And he was talking about the fact that we didn't even think about is that they've got a great advantage with, you know, musical artists right now, such as bad bunny that they're not touring right now. This would not be They would not be able to have him to this extent if it was normal times. So I I think this has been, you know, it's only been, you know, a week, but I I think that this has been a really smart call on their part to integrate him. And it's been based on the merch numbers a phenomenal success.
1: Oh, he's, he's the new bullet club shirt. You know, you got your bad bunny shirt, the bunny club. Yeah, the bunny club. Yeah, I think it's been great. And the best part of it is that he's being paired with Damian Priest right now, who's seen, who stands the game. He's the coming off like a star so far. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he looks the part. Uh, I think, you know, like kind of positioning them as sort of like this kind of Puerto Rican unit um, to cater towards that demographic is very smart, very brilliant. And it. I almost got kind of get like Cindy Lauper vibes from it all, you know, on the lead up to a WrestleMania.
0: Rick Flair came out with Lacey Evans and Ric Flair got to cut like his best promo in forever. He just starts screaming. Why am I doing this? I don't take orders from any woman. Look at my history, especially not from my daughter and I'm not staying home. <laughs> He's tired of hearing how good his daughter is. He has met someone who has all the physical qualifications to be a star. She just needs some motivation, knowledge and wisdom. And yes, Charlotte might be the greatest in WWE today, but I'm on a mission with Lacey. This is just a casual relationship, and she's coming for Oscar's title. Evans will be the next Raw Women's Champion. For all the times that we see Ric Flair, where it's like they seem petrified to give this guy a microphone, and it's just sometimes very clumsy. This was Ric Flair just getting the go for like 60 seconds, and I thought it was great.
1: I thought so, too. You know, um, I guess in his case, like, it's a positive that he was able to stick to a script and didn't go too long, didn't really meander, and delivered the promo with great intensity.
0: Evan says, no one knows what's going on between us. He might be cute, but I respect Rick. And I treat him like the living legend he is, unlike Charlotte. And she would never speak to her father the way Charlotte does. So Charlotte comes out. Evans prevents Rick from pulling down the rope as she goes to enter. And Charlotte asks if Evans was serious about this, she'd go work her ass off at the WWE Performance Center instead. She said she she never said she didn't want Rick's help. But over these last seven years, I've been trying to protect this legacy. You've been surrounded by yes people. You don't know what all these people say about you behind your back. Don't bring me down with you. What a what a message here from Charlotte. You embarrassment to me. I'm just trying to not get dragged down with your horrible reputation that all these people secretly have about you. How could I you mean, possibly be behind Charlotte here?
1: I think Charlotte was more so commenting about him being paired with Lacey Evans. And everything that uh, I guess they're trying to suggest between their relationship.
0: Well, I... I was very confused by this because I had no sympathy for Charlotte at the end of this. Just felt like well, she said, "Like you used to be a legend, but you're you've been an embarrassment these last few years."
1: Did she say last few years?
0: I don't know if she said last few years.
1: I mean, I, I just took it more. She said, to, "For
0: the last seven years, I've been trying to protect your legacy.
1: This okay. family's legacy." Well, it doesn't mean he. She thought he. He. He's been an embarrassment. Maybe uh, outside of doing you know this stuff. Um. You know whether or not you want to cheer for Charlotte after this, I think is also is is another case, and I agree with you that I don't. Uh, I think it's just been a really poor story. I have to say though, I thought the segment was much needed in order to just kind of put into order a lot of th- the threads that they've introduced. It at least makes sense of Flair's motivation here for why he decided to turn on his own daughter, and the explanation he gave was that he still wants to be relevant, even though Charlotte wants him to stay at home, and. You know, he's training Lacey in a casual relationship.
0: They really tried to make it clear, like to get away from like the romantic aspect of this.
1: Yeah, because uh, I think it creeps everybody out to think about. Uh, but they're not, not also not completely shutting the door on it. He's, he's like, uh, you know, if uh, she falls for me, that's that, that's to be expected. And it's, it's a, it's at a good, you know, appropriate level right now.
0: The closest thing to this program having a baby face is Ric Flair.
1: Yeah, he's just I mean, he's a likable guy. Uh, I I have to say, though, like the exchange of words did not feel authentic. And I don't know if that's because of the ridiculousness of the story or maybe the kind of overly uh, over the top delivery for Lacey's character. Or maybe it was Charlotte breaking mid segment to laugh for some reason. Did you catch that?
0: Yeah, I I, I don't feel like it comes off like Charlotte is not feeling the storyline.
1: Oh, yeah. How could you be? It's outrageous.
0: Evans asks, why don't we work together to Charlotte? She calls Asuka a feral animal. Charlotte says, I don't need anyone and calls Lacey Charlotte 2.0. Evans says, if I beat you, I'm going to get the next title shot, according to WWE management. Charlotte wants the match right now. And then Evans cheap shots her, runs her into the steps, and then accepts the match with Charlotte having an injured shoulder. So we have the new GM the commercial break that set up the match as we come back and rang the bell. Uh, before the match began, Miz and Morrison are hanging out with Angel Garza. They're going to have Angel's back tonight against Damian Priest with Bad Bunny. Lacey and Charlotte, where if Lacey wins, she gets a title shot against Asuka. So this way smarter idea than going through the Royal Rumble to just do go this way.
1: Or a chamber match, Yeah
0: way easier to do this. So Evans attacks the shoulder and they did tie this back that this was the shoulder Nia Jax injured last year. So Charlotte sold the shoulder throughout the match. Uh, We had both women doing the strut. Neither of them. Very good. Rick then shielded Lacey. Charlotte gets yanked off the apron. Later there was a moonsault. Charlotte got her feet up for that chopped away with the good arm. And then I don't know if you caught this. It was the most bizarre moment of this match. Evans is sent into the corner, and then Charlotte goes to charge into the corner, and as she gets up to Lacey, she just stops, and she's waiting, and I have to imagine that Lacey was supposed to, like, get her foot up or do something, and Charlotte just stopped and waited as Lacey just slapped her. It was the strangest thing. It was, like, just a frozen moment. Rick is distracted. The arm gets snapped by Charlotte, or Charlotte's arm gets snapped. She fights back, a spear, and then (laughs) Lacey goes for a figure four. It's stopped. Charlotte yells at her father, you want to humiliate me? Do it on your own time. It's like I was waiting for Rick to look at his watch and say, yeah, that's kind of what I'm doing. This is on my time. I am choosing to fly here every week and fuck with you. Charlotte attacks and then just snaps, shoves the referee away, and she is disqualified. (laughs) Rick gets into Charlotte's face, and then he tends to Lacey, and this opens the door for Lacey Evans to get her title match (laughs) at the pay-per-view. What a brutal setup for this match.
1: Oh, yeah. I thought it was a really bad way of setting up your next challenger. There's no chance that I can... You know, you talk about like the lack of viable contenders in the elimination chamber match. I I think they all have a better chance than how you would perceive Lacey Evans after this. She's got no credibility at all. Uh, she's, to my knowledge, not had any strong wins. And here, it wasn't even Ric Flair that caused the victory. It was because Charlotte <laughs> snapped and got DQ'd. So, um, man, it it continues to be a story that I think is... Making me check out for all the matches and as a title program, um, it's going to be one of Oscar's coldest pay-per-view matches, I think, in quite a while.
0: Yeah, I, I didn't think this match was all that good at all. The The highlight of the segment was Rick at the beginning. And yeah, just a brutal setup for this pay-per-view match. Uh, they had a Black History Month video profiling uh, Rosa Parks. And then Edge came out. He's come all the way back. He has a massive decision to make. And said, last week I came face-to-face with all three champions, and I came very close to deciding who I would face. But now Drew is defending his title against five former champions, and I don't know who will leave the Chamber as champion. And I like I like my odds against all of them, but I don't like Drew's odds leaving as champion. So I'm going to wait until after Elimination Chamber to decide. He's interrupted by the Miz, Morrison, and Angel Garza. And... Miz says that even if Edge happens to win the title at WrestleMania, I'm going to be there with the briefcase and leave as champion. Edge says, you goddamn idiot. I put this briefcase on the map, and now you've just mapped out your game plan to me? I think at a different level than you, Simpleton. You're content being awesome. I'm not. That was me 20 years ago. You don't need to be champion like me. So get the hell out of my face, dude. Edge, just a wonderful promo here, cutting down this total geek.
1: He destroyed him, yeah, and in the process made himself sound like a real contender. Like a a real
0: star in the ring with a joke.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, part of me, you know, sees all this and has to wonder, like, man, like... This guy still has the money in the bank briefcase. Um, go easy on him, Edge. But at the same time, it's like, <laughs> it's The Miz, you know? Like, nobody really takes him seriously anyway. I, I, I do think, like, Edge is definitely proving that he's worthy of this WrestleMania main event spot. At least from a promo standpoint, he he really is operating at a different level. I loved his explanation about why he's going to delay his uh, choice for um ch- uh, uh Royal, Royal, Royal Rumble um. Or, whatever, uh, WrestleMania main event until after the chamber. I thought it was full of logic and well explained. Um, He, you know, I continue to look forward to him speaking every week.
0: This was probably the last show you could tease the decision without giving it. They kind of went hard on that last week. And then tonight, it was okay. At least we have a time frame now. Yeah. Angel Garza versus Damian Priest, who was out with Bad Bunny. Miz delivered a cheap shot from behind the referee's back, and Bad Bunny complained. Garza threw his pants at Bad Bunny, and then Priest starts his comeback with kicks, chases Miz and Morrison off the apron, and they get clotheslined to the floor. Uh, er, Sorry, Priest gets clotheslined to the floor. Miz and Morrison are stomping him down, so Bunny takes the briefcase, throws it in, Morrison grabs it and gets caught with it and leads to Miz and Morrison being ejected. So Garza's distracted with Bad Bunny and gets hit with the reckoning, and Priest pins Garza in 3 minutes, 47 seconds.
1: Really kind of textbook, you know, baby face celebrity manager type of stuff, and
0: it's all working really well. And this looks to be probably your your Mania tag match, if you can Mm -hmm. hold it off that long. Did you like Angel Garza paired with Miz and Morrison? Do you think that was just a one-off this week, or does this Garza find some kind of role as a hanger-on with these two?
1: I think he'd be a nice little addition to it in the the midst of this feud. Um, He needs something.
0: Like, he's a great talent, but it's just been forgotten about.
1: Yeah. uh, You know, in a role like this, you don't really kind of see him as any sort of um, viable threat. I mean, I I would say he would be number three in that group behind Morrison. So I guess uh, Morrison would be happy that he wouldn't have to take all these falls and you have somebody else now. At least
0: he's doing a bit better than his ex-tag partner.
1: Who's, yeah, never not been seen for quite a while. Or her or his manager.
0: Well, yes. Yeah. Whose
1: 90 days are coming up?
0: Uh, that's that's true. Yeah. And Andrade, I guess it's until they've come up with an idea for him. Charlie's with Drew McIntyre says Sheamus should have just asked for the shot. He's got to focus on Randy Orton. He's got a bullseye on his back. He goes over all the challenges he's facing, but he's not going to crack under pressure, and he's going to rip Orton's damn face off, which, I mean, kind of Alexa beat him to the punch on that one.
1: He's got great face recovery powers, though.
0: Yeah, not going to do a whole lot to him. This is where they announce Asuka and Lacey Evans. I laughed out loud when I saw this. This was how Lacey gets the title match, but uh, believe me, they would outdo themselves. Charlie interviewed Bianca Belair. She said the smartest does not reveal her cards right away. Might be Sasha. Might be Asuka. Maybe even Lacey Evans. Asuka appears. Congratulates her on winning the Rumble, but that doesn't mean she's ready for Asuka. Belair says, I am ready, but Evans isn't. And Asuka might be seeing more of her on Raw. So, at the moment... I don't know if we'll be getting an elim-
1: elimination chamber match to determine a number one contender on either side. Um, do you think we may get a chamber match with Sasha defending her title?
0: I guess it's certainly possible after after tonight that if they're not going to set up the challengers, then it's... I've never liked the champion defending it. I feel it's so clumsy to go from we're building up to this, these big contenders, or the the two the male and female contenders, and then... We're just going to give 10 people title shots two months out. But that kind of feels where they're going with this because I don't feel like they're going to have Bianca announce her decision either till after Mania. Yeah, but you're probably right. We're time... probably going to get Sasha defending.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the turnaround time is, um, you know, quite short. And again, they do have that March pay-per-view to maybe firmly set everything in place.
0: But that's so, only three weeks out from Mania, which... Again, it really doesn't matter at this point. It's not like you're trying to sell people on a pay-per-view. It's it's much different. You can finalize the mania card 3 weeks out and it's it is what it is. Like that's you can do that. And you want to make Fast Lane a really big show given it's the first one on Peacock. So mm-hmm. that's where a lot will probably be be set up. Riddle and Keith Lee, MVP's on commentary. He says Keith Lee is a kaiju, but Bobby is the king of the kaijus.
1: I think they're in the wrong promotion.
0: Yeah, I was like, man, they're setting up for a big battle at uh, a future date. So Riddle goes for a flying armbar. Lee just deadlifts him. Uh It's just Lee overpowering him. He hits the Grizzly Magnum. The Spirit Bomb gets avoided. And then uh, a flying knee off the turnbuckle drops Keith Lee for a one count. Hits him with a PK, floating bro, final flash gets blocked, and then into a spirit bomb attempt. Riddle transitions to a triangle, but there's a buckle bomb to escape that. Finally, Riddle goes for the final flash, runs at Keith Lee, is hoisted in the air for the spirit bomb. Lee hits it and pins Matt Riddle in 7.53, and you're left. Okay, Keith Lee's going to challenge Bobby Lashley. Lee and Riddle shake hands, and then Lashley attacks Keith Lee, hits him with a choke slam, puts the hurt lock on Matt Riddle because God, God knows we've, we've got to remind you about the hierarchy here in this program. And then he kills Keith Lee with a lariat onto the floor. So I left this segment thinking, okay, well, Riddle was collateral damage and we're going to get Lashley and Keith Lee. At least you gave a big win to your number one contender, Keith Lee. No, this will be a three-way. So Matt Riddle has backdoored himself into a title shot. It's like... Why is it so hard,
1: man? I have no
0: idea. Like, How come up with deal. the match for the pay per view, and then give me like the worst reason I'd want to see this match. Like, what's the least compelling way to build up these challengers?
1: I really don't understand. Like, why go with this finish if you're just going to put Matt Riddle, who's who got who lost to Bobby Lashley in seconds, and then and then lost to Keith Lee here pretty cleanly. I don't understand why you wouldn't do a more disputed finish tonight. And I don't certainly don't understand why you would have Riddle lose so quickly in such dominant fashion to Lashley last week. So, um, I was going to say, I thought they've done a tremendous job with Lashley as of late, you know, he just comes out, destroys his opponents, then leaves. But the other part of this match really kind of throws things off.
0: Well, let's go back to the poster way and the tagline for elimination chamber He's in the match because he's someone that we can beat. <laughs> yeah.
1: I guess you're right. It's exactly the reason.
0: Come on, way. It's your booking philosophy here. Like that's, I mean, obviously uh, how you made this match.
1: That's, that's one thing. At least give me some justification about the, why the guy is in there.
0: Nothing. Like there's no logical reason in this story. Why riddle is part of this match. Orton's backstage. He says him and drew have unfinished business and he's going to take the title back at elimination chamber his actions always end unfinished business, and he's going to walk into WrestleMania as champion. Way after months. Ugh. Coming up later tonight, tables match, Nia Jax and Lana. I'm not going to complain because this gave us the greatest soundbite of all time during this match. See, but like they,
1: they didn't even bother to put this in the preview. Not even a tweet earlier
0: today? Dude, they did a they did a quick recap of nine weeks of table spots. <laughs> of Nia putting Lana in nine weeks, dude. Yeah. They spent two months on this for, for tonight's match. <laughs> Who cares? Baszler and Naomi are out in corners. Lana's looking nervous. And then Jax just starts destroying her. She's lifting up Lana for power bombs one after the other. Stretch muffler just ramming Lana around into the turnbuckle. Lana starts fighting back with kicks and she's begging Jax for mercy. She's almost in tears and then catches Jax in a head scissors, puts her onto the apron and Lana is delivering more kicks and tries to loosen Naya's grip on the rope. But Lana ends up flattened on the edge of the apron. Jax goes for a leg drop on the edge and misses. So Naya screams, Ah! My butt! Ah! My hole! I've just given Brandon from New Jersey (laughs) ammunition that is going to haunt me. Just so stupid. It was great. And then with Naya selling her hole on the floor, Lana shoved her, into a table that was upright against a barricade, and Nia crashed through in four minutes and forty-four seconds. Just the dumbest stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> ah, my oh. oh man, this was the dumbest. Has match. it
1: ter- has it turned the corner for you, John? Are you able to enjoy this now from a so oh, bad it's good standpoint? Maybe
0: there there was some so bad it's good qualities oh, of this. Man.
1: You know the timing of all of this felt really wrong, and suggests that whatever this asuka Charlotte title reign was was wasn't supposed to happen. Oh, yeah, they're,
0: they're Jackson Jackson are the tag champions. I didn't even I didn't even oh, remember. Yeah. That's what the yeah. whole thing is
1: built up for, right? Oh God. So uh, it, it's it's really strange that they would go through all that for Lana only to not do the tables match at the TLC pay per view, where it would have perfectly fit. And instead they just seem to we had an interlude with, with Asuka and Charlotte with the belts, and now they're just picking things right back up, except now it's Naomi in Asuka's role. It's it's really strange, and I have to say incredibly sloppy. Um certainly like whatever they built up with Lana and Naya has really cooled off at this point. But um Yeah, um they are trying to heat it back up.
0: We went to a break. Baszler attacked Lana and Naomi fought her off. We come back. Snap of the fingers, we've got an impromptu match between Naomi and Shayna Baszler. Baszler stomped the left elbow, so Naomi is selling the arm, goes for a wheelbarrow, caught with the Kirifuda clutch, but Naomi reaches the rope. Baszler goes to attack Lana further on the floor, and as she returns to the ring, gets caught with an inside cradle, and Naomi pins her. I will say this, to at least be consistent. At least the challengers did win the matches going into their eventual title match. I'll give them that. That they did, yes. And some memorable matches, or at least a memorable soundbite. It's a video on the chamber match. Then I was just dumbfounded that we've got this three-way at Elimination Chamber with the United States title being defended. Main event, Drew McIntyre and Randy Orton, non-title match. They teased the RKO and Claymore early. Sheamus ran out to his theme music. And this distracted Drew because, of course, music... And Randy attacks, rams Drew into the post for our third shoulder injury of the show. Drew fights back, takes a superplex from Randy, and then Randy hits the draping DDT, sets up for the RKO, but gets blocked, and Drew hits the future shock DDT. Then Sheamus gets into the ring, goes for a brogue kick, but Drew has eyes in the back of his head, sidesteps, and doofus hits Randy with the brogue kick. DQ is called, which I thought would mean uh, Randy should, by all reasonable logic, now get a title shot because we had a DQ finish. Drew is getting a title shot. That's right, he is. So he was already uh, preserved before this match took place. Drew hits Seamus with a Claymore. Awesome. And at the end, Samoa Joe, with some deep analysis, says... I think Seamus was trying to brogue kick Drew. Yes, Joe, I think he was trying to hit Drew with the brogue kick from behind. You are right. And the show ended. I'm sorry. I thought Raw was a booking atrocity tonight.
1: It was awful. It was pretty awful. I mean, the moves within the body of this match were absolutely fine. But this match overall just had a feeling of nothingness attached to it. You know what's
0: the worst with the Randy matches is that I felt the same way in this match is that, number one, forget not getting a clean finish. That's a given. But number two, it's like I was ready. Like, we're going to get Fiend stuff in this match, which we actually didn't get. But that's now what I think of in a high stakes Randy Orton match is that you're just waiting for that run in from the Fiend. Although here we did not get it. Save that for the chamber.
1: For me, it was just like the idea that I know what I'm watching right now has no bearing on anything in the future. It's got no bearing on whatever uh this elimination chamber match. It's a pairing that's not fresh. This is like their fifth match together, and on top of it all, I mean, you just kind of reaffirm my uh my i think my habit now uh training me to not care about these raw main events because I know there's a very high chance you won't give me any sort of proper finish to close the show. I I thought overall like the, the booking on the show felt really just like an excuse to fill your three hours and you come out of it feeling like my time was not well spent at all. If I decided to commit my evening to it. So,
0: uh, this was not a good draw. Not at all. I thought, I thought the booking was really poor on this show. Um, I'll be a little positive. I did enjoy the match with Riddle and Keith Lee. I really enjoyed Keith Lee's promo. um, Ric Flair's promo. And um, Edge. uh, The Priest and Bad Bunny stuff, I I think, is working. And you're right. Edge had a very good promo. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Three hours. Let's take some feedback here. As we're about to tap out. Kate writes. Uh, Rating, first of all. Oh, let's do the rating. Yes. Uh, 5.3. A 5.36. Are you crazy? What did you give it? uh, A 1.2. Kate writes, In the movie Idiocracy, the most popular show on television is something called Ow, My Balls. Tonight, WWE and Nia Jax gave us Ow, My Hole, and I'd still rather watch that than Drew and Randy Part 857. There were some fine matches on the show, but I feel that the constant DQ finishes and lack of consequences make it difficult to get invested.
1: I agree. Got
0: to Nick, finally,
1: who says, Tonight's Raw was equal parts head-scratching and intriguing. For example, why not keep Sheamus a babyface throughout the build to Elimination Chamber in order to create added tension surrounding his friendship with Drew? Yes, as a... Uh,
0: I, I, I thought John that'd be suggested. a way more compelling way to do it. Get through this Chamber match, hold it off, and then, give, then do the big turn right after when you're ready to go to the match. And again, we don't know. Maybe a week ago, they were expecting to do that match. Who knows? Yeah, maybe. He says also if they establish qualifying
1: matches for the rumble, why not have them obtain spots in the chamber? Could could have added additional heat to an already good Styles versus Hardy match. Right, qualifying matches. Well, they don't have enough time, I suppose, to do all the um qualifying matches uh, and but numbers. Again, like you would
0: have to put Lashley, you would have had to put Keith Lee and Riddle and Lashley in qualifying matches, and beyond Riddle, they don't they don't want to beat those guys. So I I think they thought it was much easier. Like, if we don't want to beat anyone, then yeah, let's just name people. I think that was the thinking.
1: He says, I love the potential of Lashley versus Lee as a strong mid-card match at Mania, and Edge's promo work continues to be consistent and compelling no matter who he's in the ring with. Felt like him running down The Miz had a tinge of realness to it, but maybe that's just me.
0: I'm fine by that. I I, I appreciate when there's um, added elements of that in in the promos. Edge, Edge is doing the best promo work in the company uh right now yeah him and roman i would say yeah which will make for a tremendous program i think with the two top promo guys uh going Mm -hmm. at least in wwe at this point all right folks well that was raw i hope everyone enjoyed it if you joined us live thank you so much we're gonna be back on tuesday with the mailbag show i'm i'm pumped for this mailbag show Wait, it's been two months since we've opened the mailbag
1: it's an extra big one this week. Yeah, with two months worth of questions. Um, I'm sure plenty of topics that um, might be still relevant, hopefully, you know, by this point. But we're going to get through all of them.
0: And then we've got uh, new beginning. Wednesday's New Beginning has uh, Hiromu and Sho in the main event. And then Thursday is Sonata challenging Kota Ibushi, And the story that they have been doing is... Sonata and Kota Abushi as these in ring equals. And at today's show at Core Q and Hall, it was Abushi and show against Sonata and Hiromu. And they ended up going to a 30 minute draw where it came right down to the end where uh, Sonata gave up the skull end, went for the moonsault. Abushi fought back and went for a cover right at the end as time expired. I don't know if they're going to go 60 minutes on Thursday, but I think they're going to tease it. I think that's going to be a really long match. I see it going 45 plus. I think they'll they'll tease going the time limit and maybe in the end, Ibushi wins. Or, or they go the draw, but that's kind of been the story. Like, these two are each other's equal.
1: Don't they have a curfew?
0: They do. You're right. That might play a factor into things. Uh, they do want to keep these shows short, so that that could preclude things. You know, they should wrestle, break for intermission and then continue the match. Maybe it'll go on first. It's not going to go on first. Um but uh Hiromu and Show, that should be excellent on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited for that one. Um a yes. lot of a lot of big wrestling coming up In this year.
1: And a week. tag match, uh GOD versus uh Dangerous Techers.
0: That is true. Yes. So all of that will be covered this week at postwrestling.com. So follow along. If you're a member of the Post Wrestling Cafe, as we said, I believe four bonus shows this week, uh, starting off with the Mailbag Show on Tuesday. So look out for that on Tuesday. And of course, catch up on Rewind A Vision. I, I could not wait to finish the last episode, just so I could download your show away. I was, actually, I finished the show on Friday night, and I was waiting for you to put up the show. Your oh, is high that demand. Right? Oh, yeah. Well... Listen, I don't
1: think I, I speak for myself when I say that I can't wait to get you on one of these podcasts to hear your thoughts.
0: It's, it's the one show that I feel I, I, I wouldn't want to bring the show down, to be honest. like I'm not no. at the level to have that kind of a critique of the, the whole world. Like, I, 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 just, I feel I'd be doing a disservice to all the listeners that uh, I would not be bringing the level of expertise that you have employed on this show.
1: Okay, but I mean, I I don't think people would expect that from you. I think the cat, you know, a more casual observer's perspective is is very refreshing. So, uh, I, in the future, if we can have some of your time on a weekend, we'd love to have you.
0: Okay, well, po- well, possible. We'll we'll see. I I, I think the show is uh, you're riding such a high wave way. way. You don't you don't need to uh, c- cater to, to 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 me. Oh come I, I on. Do- I'd have, really, I'd have to really. I'd have to do some studying. I'd, I'd really need to prepare for you
1: this. You are well studied. You, you you're well more. You've watched all the movies. You've watched all the shows. You've watched everything there is to watch. So, that's plenty.
0: All right. Any? Uh, do you have any predictions for for this episode coming up? Do you, oh. do you sense a Do you sense a theme? Do you think we're going to jump another decade? Do you think this is going to be one of those where they, they kind of trail off from the, the the, the decade homage. I can. I. I think it'll be the '90s. I think it should be a Halloween episode. Uh, from what we've seen in the trailers, which Sh- is, should that not be some Captain Marvel involvement? If we're going to the '90s, oh, interesting. Something to integrate those worlds.
1: Well, interesting. Well, I mean, it's it's supposed to be '90s sitcom. Um, you know, as far as we know, I don't. I don't know if those worlds might interact, but we are certainly hearing a bit more about um, what is it, Monica's history with Captain Marvel. So me you might get something there. But uh, beyond that, um, I don't know. I, it's hard to make predictions for this show because, uh, of course, like, you know, everything with uh, the X-Men figuring into it at all, we'll we'll probably figure out, we'll probably learn a lot more. Did you watch the uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier trailer during the Super Bowl?
0: No, no, I didn't. Okay.
1: Well, th- that came out. I mean, it came in, this was the second trailer. So uh, as a Captain America expert, I, I'd love to get your thoughts on that, too. <laughs>
0: I, I, I will watch it. I saw the uh, – th- there was the Fast 9 trailer. Mm-hmm. With John yeah. Cena was in, like, a few things. Yes. Batista was in an ad. Cena was in an ad. Um, Every ad has to feature a celebrity. That's the rule at
1: the Super Bowl, right?
0: Uh, pretty much. I mean, that's that's kind of the uh, the whole purpose of it. Th- mm-hmm. There was a lot of uh, discussion, like, with all these advertisers this year. It's like, what, what tone do you strike this year? Do you – because you don't want to come off as like insensitive by being too lighthearted but at the same time do you want to harp on the pandemic and be kind of like you know somber I know. um I and know, then there's I others t- who I mean like just went on a- a- as is like just focus on your product and put an entertaining ad together
1: most of the ads i saw were were all pretty comedic i mean yeah. i don't i don't i don't like who would criticize them for for being insensitive i mean
0: who would be it's critical in this funny. day and age? Everybody. <laughs> like, you're always yeah. going to find uh, criticism of them. I, I did not check out a whole lot of the ads, so I, I didn't have any uh, opinion on how they went. But there you go, everybody. Uh, that's going to wrap things up. Thank you for tuning in to Rewind a Raw. And as Way always says...
1: Poutine.